Well, you know, we've been having this conversation about anxiety, and we've been talking about how anxiety is, you know, something that a lot of us, we just want to get rid of. We just want to be done with. We just wish we could, like, turn things off that are going on in our brain and in our heart. But what we talked about is a lot of psychologists talk about today how this is a this is a superpower that we have. I mean, this is an evolutionary advantage is what some books say that I've read. And because the thing is, is that when we just stress, those of us who deal with this, when we just stress, we're, we're able to do something that not everybody's able to do. We're able to plan and organize and create. And it's, it's honestly something that's beneficial for us and beneficial for other people. But when it turns into the negative or the unhealthy or possibly even the harm, most harmful is when we catastrophize failure, right? When we start to catastrophize is when we go, man, if X happens, oh, it's ruined. If X happens, it would be the worst. If X happens, it's just going to be a disaster. And that's what you and I sometimes do. We catastrophize failure. And that, that catastrophe, what that is, is simply put, it's fear, right? And a lot of us, we, we have fears. We fear what's going to happen. And we talk about this all the time in culture. We talk about wanting to be fearless, right? I mean, I sometimes will open up my TikTok or see a reel or something. And this guy's giving this big motivational speech about how you don't need to be fearful, how you're a monster, how you're a bad mamma jamma, you know, and you just, you just need to be fearless, and we, we all would probably like to do that. I mean, even sometimes if I, you know, somebody's talking or something, I, if I stopped and asked you, well, are, are you afraid? You sound like you're afraid. I mean, we would say, no, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. Because what, uh, to be fearful sounds weak, right? I mean, if you're afraid, you must be weak. And so we talk about this idea of, of being fearless, of not being afraid. But, but this is my personal belief. I, I think it's, it's impossible to be fearless. I think it's impossible to be fearless. And the thing is, is I don't think fear is such a bad thing. I think fear is, can actually be very, very beneficial, very, very healthy. I mean, if we think about what fear is, right? Fear, fear is the byproduct of our ability to remember the past and project into the future. Those of you who, who stress, who are anxious, this is the superpower that you have. You remember the past the way it actually happened, okay? All the time, me and my wife, Kate, we will have these conversations. And I swear, we were not in the same moment, in the same place, in the same things. Didn't happen. Like, hey, why can't the kids stay up? You know, this weekend, what's the big deal if we take them to a movie and they stay up till midnight? And I go, do you remember the last time that that happened? And my wife will have a completely different memory. My wife will say, oh, I think it worked out. I think it was all fine. No, they turned into demons the next day. We yelled, we screamed, you and I fought, and we didn't recover for another two weeks. That's why we haven't been to the movies in six months. How do you not remember it the way that I remember it? Because I remember it perfectly. I can even tell everybody what they said. And my wife goes, I don't think that's how it went down. See, I have this, this superpower, this ability. And some of you do too. You remember exactly how it happened. But the other thing is too, is that we can also project into the future. 
we can think about what's going to happen and what people are going to say and what is possibly going to go down. I, I do this all the time. I, I, I tell people, man, I, I, I understand what you're doing and I hear what you're saying, but I'm telling you, if you go down this road, it's not going to be very good. It, it was interesting during the pandemic when we had to shut down and we weren't able to have in-person services for a while. I literally wrote a list down of people that I knew we probably wouldn't see again. And I showed it to my wife and I said, these are the people who are going to struggle. These are the people we're probably never going to see again. And she said, oh, that's no, no. Oh, no. I think you're, I think you're just, you know, being the way that you are. You know what I mean? I just think you're being a negative Nancy. And let me tell you something. Every family and every name that I wrote on that list, I was right about. We never saw them again. Because I knew that this was gonna, they were going to struggle with this. See, I have that ability to project into the future and to see how things are going to happen. And that, man, that's a superpower. And the easiest way to put that projection into the future is your imagination, right? We can imagine things. And some of you, you were like me. When I was a kid, man, I had the best imagination. I mean, I was the kid who would watch Power Rangers and then go think up storylines of my own of how, if I was a Power Ranger, how it would go down. But that's what you do as a kid. I mean, when you're a kid and you have an imagination, it's awesome. When you're an adult and you have that imagination, you think of all the ways somebody's going to break in your house and kill you. I mean, that's what you do as an adult. That's the, again, the unhealthy side of this. So you see what I'm saying? Fear, it's a good thing. It could also be a bad thing. It, it can be a thing that can help you make the wise decisions, but it also can be a thing that can, you know, ruin your, your memories. But also when you project into the future, it can be something that can make you very, very anxious. So the thing is, is that we're stuck. There's never a time where we're just going to be fear, fearless, where we're just not going to have any fear. And so that's the message today. God help us. Let's pray and let's go to Applebee's and beat the Baptists. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. No, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. While it is impossible to be fearless, it is possible to fear less. And that is what we're going to talk about. Because it's impossible. We're never going to not be afraid. Nor should we. Because none of us want to turn off our imagination. None of us want to turn off our ability to remember things very, very well. But it is possible to fear Less. And that's what we're going to talk about. And, and the tricky thing is, though, when, when we turn to Jesus for answers about this, Jesus, honestly, is not very helpful. I mean, when you start putting in, you know, what, what does the Bible say about fear? You know, all you're going to find is Jesus said, fear not. Don't be afraid. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Right. And that's what you see at Hobby Lobby, right? When you go into Hobby Lobby and you see that stupid banner that looks so pretty that just says, fear not. It's as simple as that. Don't be afraid. It's as simple as that. This is what my wife tells me all the time when I am fearful. And she goes, ah, well, what does the Bible say? Fear not. Don't be afraid, stupid. You know, I mean, that's just how she puts it out there. But that's not, that's not helpful. And for those of us who deal with fear, we kind of roll our eyes at that. But the thing is, is that if we actually dive in to what Jesus said, Jesus does kind of, you know, address this in a different way, in a very broad way. It's not as simple as fear not. And actually, if you start to look at what Jesus said, he never actually says to have no fear. He actually talks about redirecting your fear. So that's what we're going to talk about today. 
So if we dive back into Matthew, we've been in Matthew the last couple of weeks because Jesus gave Matthew and the disciples so many details about anxiety and worry and about a fear. And the disciples were some of the biggest fearful people in the world, you know, based on the stories that we have. But Jesus said this, says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. And we look at that and go, Jesus, what do you mean? It's just a body. That's the whole thing, okay? If you kill the body, that's all of it, okay? I mean, what do you mean? Jesus is like, ah, what could they do? Just just kill the body? <laughs> yeah, Jesus, that's a lot. I, I like the whole thing. Yeah, if they kill the whole body, that's kind of a big deal to me. We call that death here on earth. But Jesus goes right to the thing that we're afraid of most, which is death, Right? I mean, that's why we fear things like conversations of like cancer or something going on with our body or, when, you know, anytime we need to get something checked out or, you know, accidents and certain things. It is. We, we are fearful of death. And Jesus goes right to the heart of the thing that we probably fear the most, death. And he goes, hey, don't fear death because the worst that can happen, they kill your body. But he says, but they cannot kill your soul. He says, rather, he says, he gives us an alternative. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul. So here's the thing. Jesus, Jesus says, look, the worst that anything or anybody could ever do to you on this earth is they could kill your body. But here's the thing. Let me tell you something. That's not the end. Now, listen, for some of you, that's where I'm going to lose you, okay? For some of you, that's where you're going to go right to, you know, put your phone out. Okay, I'm checking out because you have a hard time believing that. That is something you've always questioned. That is something you've always doubted. But here's the thing. Jesus has promised us, God has promised through Jesus that, that this life is not the end. That he will have the final word. It's just like that song that the band just sang. The cross has the final word. Cancer does not get the final word. Suicide does not get the final word. A health scare does not get the final word. Whatever that disease is, whatever that accident was, that does not get the final word. That is not the end. And so Jesus says, look, the worst that anybody could ever do to you is take away your body from you. But let me tell you something, that is not the end. I promise you, there is more to life than just this time on this earth. There is an eternity waiting for you. And let me tell you who you should fear. If you want to redirect your fear, again, he doesn't say, don't be afraid. Actually, there he says, be afraid. So Jesus does say, I, actually, I don't want you to be fearless. I want you to fear less by putting your fear in what actually controls the final word. What actually has the final say about the destiny of your soul. And then he says this, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? I guess I've never bought one. Okay. <laughs> are not two sparrows sold for, sold for a penny? Sure. If you say so, Jesus, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Here's the thing about sparrows. Sparrows in that culture were just trash birds. Okay. That's what they were. They were the trashiest birds in the world. So if you get a tattoo of a sparrow, that makes you trailer trash, okay? So don't do that, all right? Because these were trash birds. This, they were such trash birds, and they were so common to this area and to this context that poor Israelites, they would actually catch them and eat them. 
You know, so they were basically the rats of the air is what they were. And if you have a tattoo, I am so sorry, but you should get that removed. We'll help you. We'll, we'll go fund that stuff, okay? But that's what he says. So the context of this is he's, he's, he's taking the lowliest animal, I mean the trashiest animal that you could think of, the thing that poor people catch and eat because they're just so disgusting and they're so cheap. You could buy them apparently for a penny. And he goes, look, not a single one of those are outside of your father's care. Not a single one of those, when they drop or when something happens to them, your father in heaven cares about them. And then he says this, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid because you are worth more than sparrows. Jesus says, here's what I want you to understand. The cheapest most trashiest thing that God created on this planet, a sparrow. Even God cares about them. Not a single one goes through harm or, or, or dies or passes away. And, and, and the Father knows about it. And the Father cares. So let me tell you something. You are so much more valuable than any sparrow. And so if God is aware of what they're going through and what they feel and what happens to them, we want you to know... God cares so much more about you and he values you and you have not escaped his care. So you would think if you heard this, you heard this sermon, you'd go, great, Jesus. Well, then I will put my faith in you. Thank you so much for the encouraging words. But the disciples would hear these kinds of words, hear these kinds of teachings, just like you and I are listening today. And they'd go, cool, Jesus, that sounds awesome. But it would never stick so Jesus loved to do something that I would never be brave enough to do. He'd love to just put them in terrible situations and see how they handled it. So Jesus would say these things and make these promises, but then he would go put them in the scariest situations. And it usually had to do with boats and water for some reason. And so Jesus then decides, let's go see how much this stuck. And so he takes them out on a boat like he did so many times. So it says, then Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Now, here's what's hilarious. A couple chapters later, Jesus does this again. And Jesus goes, get in the boat. And they literally say, I know what you did to me last time I got into a boat. No way am I going to do that. So this is the first time when they're you know, still naive. So he gets in the boat. He tells them to follow him. And they follow him. And suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. Now, again, you and I, we can read this verse. It can totally right past our head. Yeah, I've heard this story, you know. But just think for a minute. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat where it was pitch black dark. I have been on a cruise ship and gone out on the end and looked out where I could see no land and everything was just black. And for a minute, I was terrified, okay? And that's when there were no waves. But just think for a minute, you're on a boat and that thing starts rocking and waves start coming. And you're just, you're looking at the waves and you're thinking, any minute now, a wave is going to come and we're going to capsize and we're going to get turned over. And we are going to drown because it is pitch black and we have no clue where we are. We have no clue what's going on. Something bad is about to happen to us. And sometimes in our life, we become fearful because we can read the room because we have that superpower. We, we can remember things that have happened in the past and we can also project into the future and we have a good imagination and we, we can look at a situation and go, I think something bad's about to happen. Oh no, this is, this is, this is going to end very, very badly. And so they're there and they're, they're scared to death. 
And do you know where their Savior was? Do you know where their Jesus was? It says, but Jesus was sleeping. Jesus was asleep. And for some of you, this is your greatest fear. That something terrible would happen in your life. That all of a sudden you would be in the middle of a storm and Jesus would be asleep. Where your prayers would fall on deaf ears because Jesus was either too busy or Jesus was asleep. And actually some of you in the room, if we went around the room, you could tell stories that sounded a lot like that. Where you would say, we were going through a storm. We were going through something really difficult. And yeah, we prayed and we had faith. And you know what it felt like? It felt like Jesus was asleep. Because we never got the answers we wanted. We never got any comfort. And it felt like he was just not paying attention. Or he had something better to do. And so the disciples, they went and woke him. Saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. They're not catastrophizing at this point. That, that's what they know. Okay, one, one plus two equals three. They know if this storm continues, we are going to die. And they didn't have to imagine that their Savior was asleep. He literally was. They could see it. They, he was six feet away from him, and, and he, he was asleep. And so Jesus wakes up. And, you know, you would think that Jesus would wake up and be like, oh, I am so sorry. I doze off. I doze off. What, what, what's going on? But that's not what Jesus says. You know what the first thing Jesus says when he wakes up from his little cat nap? He goes, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Uh, duh, Jesus. Like, read the room. Do you see the waves? Do you see, like, how we're not dry? How there's, there's water in the boat? And again, some of you. You, you could hear this or somebody says, you know, well, you just need to have faith. Well, you just need to not be afraid. Why are you so afraid? Um, hello, because this is a big deal, because this is major, because this is painful, because I'm not catastrophizing at this point. Like literally the doctors have said it's either stage one or it's stage four. At this point, we know this is not going to end well. We're past the point of catastrophizing and imagining. Now we're to the point where it's just a matter of time. And we need Jesus. And it feels like you don't care. It feels like you're apathetic towards this. It feels like you're not aware of how we are feeling right now. And you're not being sympathetic to our emotions, Jesus. We've all been there. And the disciples were there. So I want you to know, even the people who are closest to Jesus, who had heard all the promises and all the stories and literally didn't get them through a speaker thousands of years later, but literally got them out of the, out of the mouth of Jesus while looking him in the eyes. Even they were like, Jesus, come on. What are you talking about? Why are you not get, throwing us a bone here? Why are you not helping us out? Why, why are you asking us if we have little faith? This is not a matter of faith. This is a matter of reality. And this is what we're going through. And some of you have that story. And some of you wish you could say that to God. So Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And it was completely calm. And then do you know what happened? What happened was, is the men didn't sit down and go, oh, that was scary. They said they were amazed. And they asked, what kind of man is this even the winds and the waves obey him i mean when they all of a sudden saw that everything had calmed they stopped talking about the storm they weren't concerned with the storm anymore all of a sudden they took their eyes off of the storm 
And they had their eyes on the one who is able to calm the storm. Their, fake, their focus went from the what to the who. Because even though it was terrifying and even though it was difficult and even though it was painful, all of a sudden their focus shifted. Now again, you put yourself in this context and you would think, man, if that were me, if I went through that, if I, if I, if I heard the promises of Jesus and then I went through this terrible exper- experiment where there was a huge storm and there were waves and there was all this drama and stuff. And then I saw Jesus just look at the waves and all of a sudden, whoosh, everything calmed. And I saw the power he had over creation. Man, if I saw something like that, I tell you what, I would have faith. I would have great faith. Like, I would believe that anything is possible. You would say that. And some of you would even say, I, I talk to people all the time who are struggling with their faith. And I get it. And they're like, if I just saw something, if I just, if I just saw a miracle, if I just saw God do something great, if I just, you know, if he just answered this prayer, or if he just gave me answers, or if he just spoke to me, then I would put my faith in God and I would just have faith. But you know why God doesn't do stuff like that? It's because he did it for the disciples. And guess what? It didn't matter. <laughs> Because just shortly later, Jesus is all of a sudden arrested and taken and put on trial. And guess what all these people who have great faith did? They ran. And when people asked him, do you know this man? Are you with him? Are you one of his disciples? Are you one of his followers? They said, no, not us. We don't know what you're talking about. They ran, they lied, they denied. Even though Jesus even gave them a spoiler alert and told them he was going to die and be raised three days later, even after everything that they saw and all the sermons and all the promises, still, when Jesus was taken, they ran. So here's the thing. You may be waiting for some kind of big miracle or something to happen in your life, and if you would just see this big thing happen, that you would finally put your faith in God. But let me tell you, those stories and those kinds of examples are so shallow. And they're rare. And they're one in a million. And they're really cool to hear. I love those kinds of stories. But here's the thing. They're not something to hinge your faith on. Because they're weak. And they're easily breakable. Because the disciples, even though they saw something incredible and great, the moment that something bad happened, when something bad happened to a good person, they lost their faith. And for some of you, that's what's hard for you. For some of you, that's why you're still afraid. Because people can share scripture verses with you and Hobby Lobby plaques and stories of how great and how mighty and how strong our Savior is. And you go, yeah, 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 I get all that and I believe all that. But the fact is, is bad things still happen to good people. And that's what scares me. Because I know it doesn't matter how much faith I have. doesn't matter how much good I've done in the world. Something bad can still happen to me, even if I'm a good person. So the disciples, they flee, they run, they watch their Savior die on a cross. And then, a couple weeks later, they are out in the city, and they are joyful, and they are happy, and they are ecstatic, and they are preaching 
the word of God and talking about their savior, Jesus Christ, and their demeanor and their authority and, and their, 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 their power, their confidence, it's all changed. It's all there. And they're even still at, they're, they're still at risk of dying. The same people that killed Jesus wanted to kill them. I mean, there's still plenty of risk. There's still plenty of danger. But now all of a sudden, these guys are bold and they're confident and they're speaking with authority and they're talking about their savior, Jesus Christ. And people are going, what? in the world happened? Where did this come from? Where did this confidence come from? How are you able to fear less? Because you, you can't be fearless because you're still in danger, but you seem to fear less. And what had changed and what was different is that they had seen their Savior resurrected three days later. And then it made sense Because then they understood, oh my goodness, it's not just the waves, it's not just creations, it's not just the storms that he can control and calm. He can overcome death. When he said that death is not the end, that they can kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul, he wasn't kidding. And so now, what do we have to lose? What happened was, is their faith in someone exceeded their fear of some thing. You know, the, the most fearless I've ever been, uh, I would go do this mission trip in Waco, Texas every year. And they had this terrific poverty simulation that they would do. And they would take you on Friday. They would take all your clothes, all your items. They'd give you $5 to go to Goodwill. And you had to come up with an outfit. And then you were homeless for three and a half days. And they told you how to barter. They told you some things you could do. You had no shelter. You had to figure it all out. And all of a sudden, I, I was a youth. I, I did it as a kid. And then as a youth pastor, I took a group of kids. And so I'm walking around with 12 teenagers through the streets of Waco, which is not the safest area. And people would come up to me that normally anywhere else I would see them, I would be fearful of, you know, being robbed or something happened to me or something. And people would come up and they'd be like, what do you got? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> like, literally, this is all I have. Do you know where to get food? And I mean, I wasn't afraid because was why? Because I had nothing to lose. There was nothing of value anybody could take from me. There was nothing anybody could take from me. And I think that's the place that Jesus wants us to go, where we value him most, where we understand that this life is not the end, that there is a life after this, and that death does not have the final word. The cross has the final word. And when we understand that, what do we have to fear? There's nothing you can take from me. Sure, take my body. Take, my, take whatever you can. You can try to steal whatever you want from me. But you know what? I know it is not the end because of what people have seen and what I have heard about my resurrected father in heaven. Now, I think the thing that we fear the most and the thing that we talk about when we talk about fear, this is a common phrase, right? It's fear of the unknown. But I don't know what's going to happen. Again, those of us who have an imagination, who can project into the future, it's fear of the unknown. But let me... Let me help you with a concept that I've, I've tried to understand. You have fear of the unknown, but here's the truth. But very little is unknown. I mean, what, what is not known? Very little is unknown. Because the truth is, is that most of the things that we get anxious about, that we get fearful about, 
a lot of times it's going to go one of three ways. It'll either be fine, and what we think is going to happen won't happen at all. How many times has that happened to us, anxious people? I mean, a lot of times it just doesn't even happen, the thing that we're afraid of. And then a lot of the time it works out that, yeah, something bad does happen. What you catastrophize about or what you were anxious about, what you were fearful about, it does happen. But it works out. It ended up being okay. Everybody had a good time. We got through it. It was painful, yes. It was difficult, yes. But we survived and we got through it and we worked out. Or we'll live on. Let's say the worst thing that could happen happens. Where we experience death. Where we experience loss. You know what? That's not the end. Death does not get the final word. So here's the thing. How, I, don't, I, just, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's, how this is going to go. Well, here's the thing. Either it will be fine. It will work out. Or we'll live on. But the point is, is that whatever it is you're up against, it will not get the final word. It will not defeat you. So, so here's the question, okay? If the truth is that 99.9% of the time, it will either be fine, work out, or will live on, then what are we so worried about? Now, I can't cover that today because I don't have enough time. So you need to come back next week for part five of this series because I've figured this out for me. I have figured out that I'm a very fearful person. I am a worry wart. I'm a very anxious person. But I have figured out that most of the time, it will either be fine, it will be painful, but it, it will work out, or shoot, I'll live on because I have my faith in my Father. So then what am I really anxious about? And the answer, you're not going to like, but come back next week. <laughs> Great preview for a sermon, right? Well, that's it. We're going to North Road next week. Ah, But for today, for today, here's what I want to help you do. I want to help you take your focus off the storm and put it on the someone who can calm the storm. Because many of you today are possibly catastrophizing. Your imagination is running wild. You sit down with your imagination and you, you're, you're, you're imagining and you're worried. Man, what, what, if, what if I'm single the rest of my life? What if I never meet anybody? What if I never get married? Or for some of you, it's what if I never get remarried? What if I got to go through life alone? And what if I, I've got to be a single parent? Some of your imagination's running wild with your work. And you're going, is, it, is this all life is? Is this all there is to this? Is this... Is this all that I have to look forward to? Not feeling like I have a purpose. Not feeling like I'm giving anything back to the world. Some of you have a wild imagination with your kids. You're worried to death about your kids. You're fearful about what, how your kids are going to turn out. What's going to happen to your kids? And you're going, oh my goodness. This is, this is not where I was when I was 20 or 21. And this is what they're doing. And oh, goodness gracious. What if we can't motivate them? What if we can't this? What if they don't do this? What are we going to do with them? Your imagination is running wild. For some of you, it's stuff going on with family. 
For some of you, it's infertility or you're in the midst of a pregnancy right now and your mind's going all kinds of places. Your imagination is running wild and you just got all these questions. Here's the thing. If you're in the middle of a storm and your imagination is running wild and you are full of anxiety about something or someone, this morning, I want to tell you, take your eyes off of the storm. And put it on the one who can calm the storm. I've told this story so many times, but it's just too good. You know, there was a OG member of our church named Margaret Val. Margaret was the sweetest, sweetest lady at our church. And one Sunday, I had the privilege of serving her communion. There's a huge picture of it upstairs in the studio. And I served her communion, and by that afternoon, she was in the hospital. And by the next day, we had received word that she had stage four cancer that had spread through her entire body. And we had, we had never even had a death in our church yet. And I was just 26 years old, and I went up to that hospital, and, and my wife, Kate, said, what in the world are you going to say to her? And I was just mortified. I said, I don't know. I have no clue what I'm going to say. There's no hope I can give. This is not going to work out. This is not going to be fine. There's nothing to catastrophize. The doctors have said it's only a matter of time. It has nothing to do with faith at this point. And I remember I walked in and Margaret was sitting there to the right of me. And as I took a breath to speak, to try to say something to comfort her. She smiled at me. And she said, Pastor, I got the best news today. I get to go home. And I just cried. I just dropped and wept and held Margaret. As you just whispered in my ear, sweetie, it's okay. That was the first funeral I had to do as a pastor here. And I pray all the time when I'm a, I'm a fearful person. I say, Father, help me to have the same faith that Margaret had. Help me to not fear even death. Help me to change my focus from this furious storm and help me to change my focus and to put it on you who can calm the storm. You who gets the final word. God, help me to take my eyes off of what I'm going through and help me to focus on you. And that's my prayer for you this morning. That whatever you're going through, whatever you're imagining in your head, whatever you're fearful about, that you would be able to fear less by putting your focus on the one who is ultimately in control. Paul, he said this. He said, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And he says this, this is his promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means it won't even make sense to people. 
And it made no sense that Margaret had the bravery and the courage and the faith she did in the midst of a death sentence. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to take these next few moments to pray and to petition and to worship with thanksgiving in our hearts so that our eyes would turn away from the storm that we're in and focus on the one who calms the storm. So as the band comes back up, the song that Kezia picked this morning was Jaira. And you may not know what that word means, but it means he who provides. And I love the words. I love the words. He is enough. That is enough. And so this morning, as we worship, this is your time to turn your eyes, to lay your burdens at his feet. And I know some of you are going through a storm right now. So Pastor Mike Lair, he's going to be in the back. If you need to pray with somebody today, if you're like, look, I'm out of words, man. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Pastor Mike's going to be right back here. You can walk down that aisle and Pastor Mike will pray with you and encourage you and lift you up today to God so that you can find that peace that you're looking for. For others of us, we just need this time to reflect and think and take our eyes off of what we're going through. So will you stand with me this morning as we worship and as we sing?